right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN with Lane Gillespie, Derek Johnson. We're going to be joined by Josh Briscoe to talk some Chiefs preseason opener on Saturday. He'll join us at 340 We'll be joined by Scott Chasen to do our final draft of the offseason here, and we're going to tie it in with KU football theme. Uh, we're going to do a basketball draft of KU football players. Lane, who would be your number one pick for the uh, KU football team on the yeah, basketball court? I, I mean, you know, I've already seen that. I, I, I will just say, you know, a little bit because I know him personally, just a tad bit, but because of how great of a multi-sport athlete he is, Devin Neal. Okay. All day. And Devin played um, basketball at Lawrence High briefly. Indeed. Um, but then he, I, he didn't play his senior year, obviously with being recruited and everything. So I, I don't know how good he would have been by the time he was a senior year. We'll do that draft at five o'clock. We've got some KU audio to share for you today. And, uh, we've also got a couple more editions of RCST trivia. DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to the Sunflower State to celebrate. All new customers will receive $100 in free bets when you sign up using code KLWN plus one lucky customer will win a $100,000 free bet. Either way, you're at least getting $100 in free bets. And, you know, there's a good chance, good chunk of that for me goes on the over of two and a half wins. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code KLWN to get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Kansas. Plus, one customer will win a $100,000 free bet. That's code KLWN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements, one per customer, $100 issued as four $25 free bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstake, void where prohibitive. Ends first day, DraftKings is allowed to operate in Kansas. See terms at dkng.co slash ks. I want to open up today's show talking about spring ball for Kansas and maybe some of the players that seem to be breaking out, whether we've maybe gotten some hints from some of the coaches, just from things you, you kind of hear around the program or everything, and going over players who may be impacting the depth chart or rising up the ranks right now for KU. The first one that I want to talk about here is Caleb Taylor. We got a chance to talk with Jim Panagos yesterday, uh, the defensive tackle coach for KU, and we played that audio for you on yesterday's show. And one of the players that Panagos kind of on his own accord, offered up as being a guy who really has, has shown out well so far in, in early camp is Caleb Taylor. And and we spent some time in talking about the defense tackle group, and, and I'm really high on what Caleb Sampson could be this upcoming season. Um, I think you've got some other options there. There's like five guys who are you know either fifth or sixth year seniors, something like that. Uh, you have Sam Burt coming back for his sixth season. You have a couple guys who transferred in from Buffalo last year, got a year in the program with Eddie Wilson and Ron McGee. 
but maybe it's just maybe it's Caleb squared at the defensive tackle position. And if uh, you like what you have in Caleb Sampson and Caleb Taylor's kind of breaking out as well, that's a great sign for a defense that needs an extra push from those defensive tackles. But here is Jim Panagos talking about Caleb Taylor yesterday. Really, tell you what, the guy has really flashed lots, Caleb Taylor. So right now, I think he's practicing a high, high level. So I'm really excited about him. He's worked really hard. And I'm thinking about Caleb that I would come this summer, I will pop, during vacation, I'll pop in and out, and he'll be by himself working out. And football is a great sport. It doesn't care how big you are. It doesn't care how, how small you are. It doesn't care if you have a long arm. It doesn't care if you're strong. The harder you work, the more success you have. And Caleb Tell has really had an unreal work ethic this summer, and now we're seeing some of the results. Yeah, so again, that, that as part of that question, nobody asked him, specifically there like what do you think about Caleb Taylor that was just brought up like himself um I don't remember the exact question what that was in regards to but if you're if your coach at your position is going out of his way to talk about you in that way that tells me that you're doing good things um so like I said I I guess I mean Caleb Taylor played a, a pretty hefty role last season to begin with but when you have a bunch of different bodies that I think can can slide into that role and will rotate, and there's going to be a lot of guys that play. Uh, I know Jim Panagos in that same press conference talked about, you know, if we have enough guys, if you have, we're, we're going to play as many people as can play because it's it's better to have too much depth than not enough, and it creates more competition and everything. But it seems like to me maybe that's the way things are leaning early on, that maybe it would be Caleb Sampson and Caleb Taylor as the two starters there. It's, uh, it it mm-hmm. sounds a lot like, you know, those motivational quotes or videos or something like that. He's the first one in, last yeah. guy out, something like that. It is. But, if but, you, but, yeah, if you're a Kansas fan, you love that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he's on vacation and he's doing workouts and stuff, right? That It is kind of, you know, cliche coach speak stuff where it's can you work hard, can you outwork the opponent, but, you know. Sometimes it's cliche for a reason, and that ends up being the case there, I think, for Caleb Taylor. There's another defensive lineman who seems to be kind of breaking out right now. I I think at the beginning of of camp, maybe before we got into it, I just kind of was under the assumption, like you're starting defensive ends, Lonnie Phelps on one side, Malcolm Lee at the other in kind of the strong defensive end position. KU has the weak and the strong side guys. And Malcolm Lee, the reason you assume that, you're talking about a guy who came back for his extra year of college. I forget if this is his fifth or sixth year of college, originally transferred over from the community college ranks. I think it's his fourth at KU. He started for you at that position last season, has been an experienced player for KU. You just kind of figure, oh, returning starter, he'll start again. But Jeremy Robinson seems to be kind of breaking out over the course of camp right now. And I think there is a real position battle, a real push that if he keeps this up, maybe he does overcome Malcolm Lee for one of those starting spots. Uh, We actually got a chance to catch up with Jeremy Robinson at media availability the other day. Here is uh, a chance to talk with Jeremy. I've been hearing a lot of good things that that you're having a a nice camp so far. Um, What are some of the biggest things you kind of felt like you improved on over the offseason? One of the biggest things I would would say pass rush. That was a, a real emphasis for the summer. So, um, yeah, we just got a lot of work in for the summer and, and, and getting upfield and getting to the ball. That was the, the main issue. Are you playing more of the strong defensive end, the weak, or a little bit of both? Uh, yeah, for right now I'm playing more of the strong, but it's uh, Coach O, he teaches us how to, no matter what happens, we need to know both. It, um, he can put in and take out for 
whoever, whoever uh, type of scheme. So we're supposed to learn both. What's kind of the difference between the two? Uh, the main difference is um, maybe the uh, the boundary is a little skinnier, a little, little maybe a little faster, but. I want to say there is a, a big difference because all of us are, like, athletes. So you talked about, you know, working on your pass rush and everything. Do you have a go-to move? Ah, go-to move. Probably, like, cross chop, maybe a long arm, somewhere around there. Do you consider yourself more of, like, a speed rusher or a power rusher? I'm more of a speed rusher. Yeah. Uh, so what is it that's going to go into you guys having a good season and, and you having a good season individually this year? Uh... Us straining. That's that's gonna be the biggest part because um at the end of the season we we were on a on a nice little roll but we have to finish strong. We have to know that we have to play with these guys. We are we, we are able to play with these guys now. So it's just us straining now. Have you had any big gains in terms of weight from over the offseason or, or speed differences or whatever over uh, another kind of offseason of conditioning and everything? Yeah, um, I feel like our whole team has. We um, that like That's the whole mission with Coach Sleeve was to get bigger, stronger, faster. And do you have any like specific examples, like up 10 pounds or something like that? Um, I'm probably up maybe nine, nine and a half pounds. Yeah. Uh, who's the strongest defensive lineman on the team? Uh, I got to say me for that one. <laughs> I have to say me. Who's the fastest? Um, oh, maybe Hayden Hatcher. Yeah. And uh, who's the best singer of the D-lineman? Damarian. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. That, that's a... You know, I think that, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that has re- that had really benefited um through the past three weeks of the season as well, of this last season, because the dude, you know, his numbers don't pop off, but, like, because, like, he only finished with 14 tackles last year. Six of those were in the last two games. Like, that's that's the other thing. And he's really bringing that into um, – he's really bringing that into this camp. And, obviously, uh, another thing that I totally noticed, especially from those last uh, couple of questions, um, and I know this happens, like, at a lot of um, – a lot of athletics programs, but – um, you know how like Kansas basketball had the idea of just be loose, play loose or something like that and have some fun, um, you know, for a program who like, you know, a lot of people think, you know, buckle down, get serious, get that rebuilding. Well, you also have to be a bit loose and have some fun. And that was a prime example. I yeah. think he's benefiting from camp and from last season in a big way. I think he's going to be a great guy this year. I, I think that, you know, the one thing I asked him, which defensive end spot is he playing? He, he said, he has, yeah, he is playing both. But the fact that he answered strong, that, you know, kind of goes back into the idea that, yeah, you're talking about someone who is kind of competing with, with Malcolm Lee because that is the spot that he would occupy there. So uh, somebody who, like I said, might be kind of breaking out. And I've said this before as, as we're looking at these different positions. A lot of times the growth, the room for improvement, the jump that you can take from one year to the next, it's going to be bigger from say year two to year three, year one to year two, than it is if you're already a 23 year old senior, then coming back for your sixth season, your body has just become more developed. There's less of a growing curve that you can kind of have. That doesn't mean it's, it it doesn't happen and that there aren't more breakouts. Like Kenny Pickett had a crazy breakout heading into uh, a sixth season last year. But I think a lot of times, at those positions where 
I don't know. Sometimes it would make sense if you have a jump as a defensive lineman from freshman to sophomore year just because, hey, your body got more ready to the conference, something like that. And that, I think, is one thing that may be going Jeremy Robinson's way that, you know, may not be the case for for Malcolm Lee. Like I said, when you're, you know, returning for a sixth season, there might not be as, as high of a ceiling possibly there, but... Yeah, Robinson ended up last season, he had a a 61 pro football focus grade, which, to be clear, that was, you know, better than what Malcolm Lee's was over the course of the season. Um, Robinson ended up having a 62 run defense grade, 76 as a tackler. Um, I'm sorry, the 76 was in 2020. He was a 58 run defense grade, 62 in 2021, 60 as a pass rusher last season. And you compare that to you know, what Lee did last season, and as much as Lee was given the the option over there, he was down a couple points in a lot of those different areas. Like, Lee was a 58 overall PFF grade. And again, that's not the be-all, end-all and everything. Um, but Robinson also finished the season strong. As, as Lane said, like, you look at the last couple games and totaling up more tackles and everything, and the West Virginia game was actually his highest-graded game on Pro Football Focus. He had a 73 grade, 71 against the run, 74 as a tackler, I think that probably shows growth in this guy, and I believe he's a junior, so you're talking about kind of hitting your stride. Like, I think that's ideally when you're, as a program, when you're Kansas, you know, this isn't Alabama where you're bringing in a bunch of five stars who are going to have the bodies of SEC players right when they come in as freshmen. I think ideally a lot of the guys you're going to end up playing are going to be, yeah, you redshirted for a year, you sat behind for a year, now you're in year three, here you go, and that might be the the breakout for Jeremy Robinson. How about Jason Bean? That one's kind of interesting to me. Um, I wouldn't call this a breakout, and especially he, I, I don't know if he's come back to practice yet. He was dealing with an illness. That was something Lance Leipold discussed when he met with the media on Monday. That's obviously going to hold things back. And to be clear, I still don't think that Jalen Daniels loses out on the QB job. But by all accounts, it, it seems as if Jason Bean has performed well in spring practice. Um, I just, like I said, I know this is like far from the coaching staff, what they care about. Like they're just going to care about getting the best guy on the field, trying to do whatever they can to get wins. But that would be really hard to explain if Jalen Daniels isn't your week one quarterback after both the way that he looked at the end of last season Fans saw tangible improvement. You saw a win. You saw two other close games. Uh, you head into this season already kind of expecting that. Then he gets named the week one starter. Again, there was a little bit of a door left open and maybe a little bit of a walk back wanted there on those comments. But after everything that's happened, I feel like, you know, it, it's hard for the fan base to be like, what do you mean Jason being outplayed Jalen Daniels in camp? We saw everything from both quarterbacks last year. Daniels was just better. You had him as the week one starting quarterback. What happened there? That would be hard to explain to the fan base. Right. Again, if you're winning games, it, it counteracts and everything. But um, the point there being, I don't expect Jason Bean to be the starter over Jalen Daniels. But if Jason Bean continues to seem to perform well over camp and Jalen Daniels you know, maybe is a little bit more shaky, not saying he's struggling, but maybe there's some more inconsistencies there and maybe he's not running away with the job like you might have hoped. And Daniels goes out there and throws, you know, two, three interceptions in the opener against Tennessee Tech. And then in the second game of the season, again, he struggles. Maybe that does open things up 
for Jason Bean to to kind of get the job back at some point. Well, I mean, I think the only reason why we're even talking about this is because they're both looking good, Jalen and Jason, both alike. And I know that we've sounded like a broken record time and again on what Jason's uh, role could be because you can't have two starting quarterbacks and expect to be successful. Well, I mean, like, at a consistent basis, like two starting quarterbacks without one of them being hurt or something like that. You just can't. Those systems don't work. They don't work at all. There's the adage. You have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Um, and obviously, like, it, I think what it just does boil down to was on-field performance and kind of the distinction between the two. Actually, I don't want to say that because it's been a few months since, obviously, both of them have had game experience. Mm-hmm. So, I guess I, so I guess I do kind of take that back. But, you know, I mean, yeah, you make a great point. People are going to think that if you name Jason Bean the starting quarterback all of a sudden, then they're taking a step backwards. The last position that I think you could be seeing a breakout in is at tight end. And I, there's two guys that I'm circling. Um, so Jared Casey is dealing with an injury right now, and, and that could hold him back a little bit. Um, I think Mason Fairchild showed some flashes last year, had some nice highlight grab, one-handed catches, but he struggled a bit in run blocking, and I think that leaves the, right. the position open. He also had some injuries at the end of last season. And Trevor Cardell was always kind of the backup last year. Um He's someone who is a very good athlete, six foot five, also part of the baseball team. Although I don't know if he's still part of the baseball team, if he's continuing with that or not. But I nonetheless, mean, uh, I the thing is like, and I don't know if this is like insider information, but like I know like he and Devin Neal would like practice with the football team, and Devin Neal traveled with the team a lot more than Trevor did. Yeah. So with Cardell, the point being that you know he's he's an athlete good enough to you know be that kind of guy. Um, it sounds like he is having. Uh, a good camp so far. Hear it right from the mouth of uh, Lance Leipold. Trevor Cardell is, uh, to me, has made great strides and improvement, size, strength, confidence. Um, you know, he has ability to have a you know complete package. Uh, you know, to be to know as a guy that continues to learn. He's only been here a semester. Um, you know, he's you know he's doing. You know, there's still part of his game that's still under development of the movements and things, but there's certain things with his size that we feel very confident about him blocking in certain areas. So with Cardell, you heard him talking a little bit about Noah there as well, and he's more of a run blocker, but with Cardell, you get more pass catching out of him. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he, like in the same way that Jeremy Robinson maybe could usurp Malcolm Lee, a little bit of an older player who started last year, I wouldn't be surprised if you get the same thing from Trevor Cardell over Mason Fairchild. I mean, but, from what I've heard and what I've seen, I think Trevor has great hands. Yeah. I think that what eclipsed, what really like showed out of that was that um, I think it was the only catch that he made against Texas, but uh, he made the catch jumping. He got yeah, undercut got from his mm-hmm. knees and landed straight on his back. Still kept a hold of the football, put KU in the red zone. I've talked to him about it a couple of times, and you know, he said that like, you know, he, he you know, he like he's seen from the rest of the tight ends and from what he's heard from coaches that he has great hands and he could be really be something. So the last guy is kind of a wild card here. Will Huggins, uh, really good high school player from the the nearby area, six foot seven tight end. He's he's as tall as any of the tight ends. He's got amazing athleticism. He's kind of the inverse of Tavita Noah. Like, I don't know how much Tavita Noah is going to be running out routes and, and catching passes and stuff. He's more of a blocking tight end. Will Huggins, you have some questions about maybe the blocking, but you know he can be a, a big threat in the passing game, and it's how much you can raise your level as a run blocker that could fully get him on the field. But uh, Lance Leipold spoke pretty well of uh, what Huggins could provide. 
Will Huggins is a guy that really keeps battling through. He's injured most of last year, then had surgery late in the year, then kind of waiting to get him on track. And he's shown some flashes. He's shown flashes of, uh, you know, uh, you know, blocking. He's a big, big body, tallest guy in the room. And um, at the same time, he's made a few catches the other day in some short yardage stuff. So what he just said there, he's shown flashes of blocking. You know, he's got the ability to do it, but can he be more consistent there? If he is, he's got all the potential in the world. But those two guys, Cardell and Huggins, if one of them breaks out this year, I would not be surprised, and that'd be a big boon for the offense. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think if you can, like I know we talked about and we praised Cardell's blocking as well, but I think if you can add the one-two punch of two different tight ends, one that's a great receiving tight end, one that's a great blocking tight end with Cardell and Huggins respectively, I think you have a great tight end core, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Yeah, they got a lot of bit bunch of uh, I guess pieces that can fit into certain roles, and that can be a positive on one end because it gives you a lot of options. You also don't want to let it inundate you where it's like, hey, Tavita yeah, Noah's on the field, and yeah. now we know they're running the football. Right. I I, I was also gonna say, you know, yeah, you, um, it's a deep tight end core. So, and, and we all know that Mason Fairchild, he he's he's been pretty dang talented over the past few years for KU, but um, you know, it all just depends on who's gonna. Uh, really show out in camp, and I, I and I know we've also said Fairchild. You know he struggled time and again, but he's he had shown a lot of strides. But man, this tight end core. You, you know, would you put Fairchild as the starter week one, or would you possibly? No, at this point, I would I would guess Trevor Cardell. Okay, mm-hmm. I think I would I think I would agree with you. You know, if he if we've um if what Leipold is saying is true, and I'm not saying he's a he's a downright liar. I'm just saying that we're only you know getting the point of view from what he's saying to the media, but. You know, if he if what he's saying is true, I do think Trevor Cardell is tight end one. Yeah, uh, and who knows? There, there's still so much camp. You know, we still have a couple weeks left of camp. I think there's uh, an upcoming scrimmage as well later this week. So uh, that'll certainly uh, determine a lot more than than so far what has happened, which is it feels like it's been going on a lot longer. I think it's only about <laughs> eight days right <laughs> yeah. now, and that even includes like an off day in there. But he is Lane Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll have some audio to share for you later today. Josh Briscoe going to join us in 15 minutes. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Joined now by Josh Briscoe, co-host of The Zone on 810, Airhead Report on SI Now, Times Ours on The Athletic. And the Chiefs open up preseason play this Saturday, taking on the Chicago Bears, which I guess is about as good of an intro to the NFL for a young secondary, which the Chiefs have, because that receiving core is uh, its not great with the Chicago Bears. Uh, nonetheless, Josh, outside of just you know the main thing with every preseason game, which always to me is just stay clean of injuries, uh, what are you most looking for? What are you most kind of highlighting in the preseason opener on Saturday? Um, I don't know that this is necessarily like uh, really off the wall or anything, but all the rookies at this point have something interesting to offer. Like literally probably the entire way down, at least to the first five or six picks, um, where where you want to see Trent McDuffie in a Chiefs uniform. Just does he ever look out of place at all? Obviously, you don't. You mentioned your point to the Bears. You don't expect him to play a ton, probably, but you expect to see all the rookies get a little bit of work. George Karloff, the same exact deal. 
I think if I was going to pick one rookie in particular, though, um, it's it's hard for me not to say Sky Moore in large part because I've I entered this uh, this off season, you know, post draft saying, hey, let's, let's pump the brakes on Sky Moore. It's hard to be a rookie in this offense, and I just didn't want to put too many expectations on him in the short term, even though I'm pretty optimistic about him in the long term. But I want to see how much he's on the field on Saturday and then also how the Chiefs use him. Look, they're not going to use any of the, the gadget stuff they've been working on at camp, especially the stuff behind closed doors. We are certainly not seeing that in the preseason. We might not see that until the postseason, as far as we know. But I, I'm going to be very, very curious to see really how all of these rookies, and like I said, I can go all the way down the list. Can Leo, is Leo Chanel out there for a, a, a pass coverage snap? I want to see that. Is Joshua Williams going to be early in the uh, the rotation? Is Darian Kennard, who's been kind of quiet at camp, is he going to look like he belongs, even going up against second or third stringers? I, I just went through um, maybe everybody except for the rookie who's actually gotten the most hype lately, uh, which is Isaiah Pacheco, and he kind of demands a whole larger conversation at this point. Well, let's have that conversation because he's getting some reps with the ones, but you know they also released that unofficial depth chart, and he's listed as the fourth string, which I found kind of funny. Uh, do, you, do you think that he has a legit shot at, at the top job? How do you kind of see that running back position playing out? I think the most important thing is that Dave Tobe says he is the first kick returner. And if you look on that depth chart, he is also there on the unofficial depth chart. That usually gets put together by PR staff and stuff. So, you know, we can only look into it so much. But it, there are some things you can take away, and that's one of them for me. Generally, those depth charts are going to have the incumbent or the veteran over the rookie most of the time. So whenever somebody jumps that order, I think that's noteworthy. Um, and, and again, in particular, Dave Tobe has said at the podium on, I think, two separate occasions now, He's the guy to return kicks. He is their first choice out of anybody on this roster. And the best way that you can make a roster as a fringe player is to make Dave Tobe happy. Now, I don't think Pacheco is a fringe player at this point anymore. I think he has fully cemented his spot on this roster for running back purposes. Uh, The kick return thing is going to be what what makes him an absolute lock, even if his running back production was just sort of there with the rest of the group. But it kind of sounds like he's actually putting some distance between himself and everybody, uh, or at least putting some distance between where he started expectation-wise to where he is now. But whenever you look at the preseason, the reason that Pacheco is probably the actual answer for, like, who can show you something that, that you want to learn about one of these guys, it's probably him, because those linemen are going to block, and he's going to run. And that that is less schematically dependent than what Sky Moore could do, what George Karloftis might even be asked to do. You're going to get pretty standard stuff, but I want to see what standard stuff from Pacheco looks like so I really do think – I don't think there's a shot he ends up with a top job, um, at least, you know, barring injury. I, I think Clyde is clearly their number one guy. But I think there is a chance that he has an argument to be this team's number two back, even if not in week one by the end of the season. The guy that I find really interesting, like obviously there's the, you know, is Derek Gore going to make the roster? What about Ronald Jones? Mm-hmm. There was briefly, it felt like at the beginning of camp, like could Ronald Jones usurp Clyde Edwards-Alaire? But uh, yeah. when you look at what – you know, Isaiah Pacheco can kind of do and just this like fast running back who could be used on, you know, pass pro situations and stuff. It seems like to me the guy that I would most view him in competition with in terms of what he does well and the roles that he could play, it it would seem to me it would be Jet McKinnon. Yeah, I think there's something to that, uh, which is why that particular group is so interesting to me because you've already kind of touched on it, but there are some redundancies skill set-wise um, trait-wise, but, but not as much the redundancies in terms of what guys have done before and, and what they have proven to be capable of doing, which is why training camp and the preseason matters for some of these dudes. 
So is McKinnon. Um, he, he has not been able to stay healthy and tip-top shape for a long period of time, really ever. Certainly he's had a couple you know, huge injuries from earlier in his career. But I, I think that they trust him fully in third-down situations. Well, that, that's been Daryl Williams for the most part in these last couple of years. And then McKinnon got more work down the stretch, of course. But I think they trust McKinnon in those third-down spots where in terms of like being a professional pass blocker, knowing the offense well enough to be relied upon in that circumstance, I think McKinnon's pretty safe because I, I just don't know if Pacheco can prove that he's ready for all of that that early on just because he's a rookie who hasn't done it before at this level. So I think McKinnon's role there is, is pretty safe. I think he should be the Chiefs' favorite in that spot in the immediate. Um, and then with, uh, with Clyde and Jones, as you mentioned, I think there are some redundancies there. We talked to Seth Kaiser about this right when they signed Ronald Jones back in the uh, almost entirely sports days. And it was evident that Ronald Jones was a, a first two-down back where you can hand him the ball and he'll be violent. He can, uh, he can do everything you want him to do in that circumstance, but he's not a good pass blocker, and he is not a good pass catcher. He wasn't asked to do that very much in Tampa. So figuring out what that map is going to look like is interesting because Clyde, who was drafted as a guy who could be a three-down back and certainly also all the things you would want on third down, Clyde has never been trusted to do that with the Chiefs. That's why Darrell Williams ended up taking that role. So I, I think that Jones and Clyde right now, my, my hunch is that if Clyde got hurt tomorrow, Ronald Jones might start week one. If everybody is healthy at the end of training camp, Ronald Jones might get cut. That is sort of the line right now that I'm walking. I think there's a very fine margin on every angle there where a lot could still change, but but it's a very interesting group for me. So between – because it feels like with tight end, obviously you have the battle with Jordy Fortson trying to make the roster. With receiver, you know, you feel pretty comfortable about the top four guys, but whether it's Justin Watson or, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody else kind of down the roster, Cornell Powell, whoever else is fighting for those other spots. Like, which of those positions between, I guess, running back, tight end, and receiver do you view as most likely that maybe they they go a little bit deeper on how many they carry on that position? It's a really good question, and I I do not have an equally good answer for you because (laughs) I think at tight ends they're going four deep. I I think they have to keep all four of those guys they did last year. I think they'll do it again this year unless Fortson's injury has him a little bit hung up and then maybe he makes the initial roster and then gets put on the pup list, but he has to make the cut down still from being able to come back off the pup at that point. Um, so I think they're going to have to keep all four of those guys. The running backs are talking about four guys. One name you haven't mentioned yet is Michael Burton, the fullback, who's going to make this roster because Andy Reid loves having a fullback and Dave Tobe loves having a fullback. No one thinks his spot is, is open, even though I keep asking about it. And then at receiver, I think right now – maybe that's where they cut it a little short if they can only keep one more beyond the guys that are locked in. Uh, in that case, I also do think it's probably Justin Watson. I kind of bucked against that hype a little bit uh, earlier in the offseason. It just sort of seemed like, I don't know, it seemed like it's kind of a lot of nothing. Oh, he's, Patrick Mahomes thought he was fast, and he's now he's here. Okay, cool. We're going to forget about him by August. Mm-hmm. But we're still here, and, and Dave Tobe keeps talking about him. Which, again, and, and whenever you're talking about the bottom of the roster, that Dave Tobe's point of view is hugely important. So I, I think it's probably going to be Watson, and then I, I still like the Reese Fountain quite a bit. I, he's like sort of my, like, uh, I don't know, project to, if you said somebody was going to leave the starting lineup, maybe you'd put him in before Watson, but Watson he trusts to do even more on special teams. Fountain can do some team stuff as well. Um, that does leave out Josh Gordon, who's not going to play teams. That leaves out Cornell Powell, who, I mean, you get cut from the team that drafted you twice in two years. That'd be a pretty hard thing to come back from. 
I and then other names like uh, Corey Coleman, you know, who, who was kind of there in the Tobe conversation, had a bad day at camp, and then Watson was the next guy up. So uh, I, I really think that all of those positions have about one more guy than you would usually carry that you'd like to keep. Um, receiver is a bigger deal because the question's higher up the depth chart. But I think once you get down there a little bit, if somebody else could do more special teams work, maybe it's just Watson and then Fountain is a guy that you try to stash in the practice squad in case there's an injury. What is right now the position that you find yourself more m- most concerned with about having possible issues or being the possible weak spot for the Chiefs coming into this season? I think it's the same as what it would have been if you would have asked me that a month ago. I just think it's less so. It's still defensive end, and, and not because I'm not like sold on Carlos Dunlap. But I think that signing made all the sense in the world, and I, I expect him to be productive from that spot. That's just the only spot where I think there could be an exploitable Achilles heel, if you will, if you will, where you you say, hey, I mean. If the receivers are a little bit disappointing, I think Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey can make up for that. If the uh, the running backs, none of them are actually as good as we think, that's okay. This offense will still be good. I, I think the corners still I, I have a good amount of trust in, despite them being a very young group. I think it's corner or edge. But when you get to defensive end, if George Karloftis just looks like a rookie, nearly looks like a rookie who went where he did late in the first round, if Carlos Dunlap looks old, if Frank Clark doesn't live up to all of the hype that he's earned while only practicing against his own team right now and showing up skinny, I, I kind of buy a lot of that hype. I, I think I like Clark and Dunlap and Karloftis, but if any of them underachieve from where their expectations are right now, I think having little to no pass rush consistently on the edges is something that could really hurt this team when it matters. What you mentioned there with Frank Clark, um, you know, we always get to a point in the season where it's best shape of his life season and his is a little bit different because it is more of like a dietary thing, I guess. But uh, like, like, how much of that do you view as, hey, he is a different player now versus it just kind of being chalked up in that fodder that seems to happen every offseason? You know the Arrested Development meme um, where it's I, it's been long since I've seen the show that I've already forgotten their names, <laughs> but it's the, it's the, the uh, good God, what, David? Money's Cross, in the right? banana stand? Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, and uh, they're they're saying, hey, well, you know, does this ever work for any other couples? Oh yeah, no, but maybe, <laughs> maybe it'll, it'll work, work for us. Yeah, I can I am in that. I'm not saying everyone else is there. I'm saying <laughs> I am there because you're right. This is best shape of your life season. If you're not in the best shape of your life at training camp, something has gone horribly wrong. Uh, we'll get a new cycle out of that instead. And so I here's what I buy. I buy that Frank Clark is in better shape than he's been in a long time. I buy that he is still an evolving human being who is figuring things out. I, I buy that he's rejuvenated. I buy that he's doing great work uh, working with Karloftis and the other young defensive ends after practice. I, I think all of that is really legitimate. I am hesitant to buy what that will translate into because I just – he could be mentally in the best place he's ever been – and I still need to see what his bend looks like. I still need to see if he's, what if he is a little bit quicker, but he's a little less strong now? What if he's a little easier to move against the run? So I, I am a skeptic on the results, even though I do buy what everybody else has been seeing and saying about the process. Okay. Um, I guess the flip side to this, outside of, I'm not going to let you pick quarterback or tight end just because of Travis Kelsey. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, what's the position you have the most confidence in right now? Whew, um, 
I think it's I think it's the entirety of the offensive line, which also might be a low key obvious answer uh, of that. That might be the third pick you would take uh, after quarterback and tight end. Um, because I feel perfectly fine about Andrew Wiley at right tackle, and I, I think everybody else, we already know what it can be. Um, I'm seeing if I can come up with one that I'm a little more, that might be a little more of a, of a unique one, you know, a little uh, safety I feel great about. This is the best I've felt about the safety group in a minute. Um, Juan Thornhill talked about uh, feeling, feeling fully, fully confident in his knee, even feeling better than he did a couple of months ago. That was one of the quotes from the weekend that I thought was fascinating from him. Uh, I like Brian Cook. I think some of that hype is pretty real. I, I am totally in on Justin Reed. So um, I, I feel really good about that safety group, even though there are some questions. What can Cook do as a third guy? But but if I was going to try to get a riskier one, I think I'd go safety. All right, let's get on to some good idea, bad idea. Wrap this thing yeah. up here. Um, something that did happen yesterday, good idea, bad idea, sh- signing Danny Shelton. Um, a harmless idea, good idea, a uh, bad idea if your name is Colin Saunders, I think. Um, not that his spot is, like, gone, but I, I think that that might be a little bit of a note. Uh, Taylor Starwars as well. I, I think those three guys now might be competing for one or two positions. Signing Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, you know how to get me, Derek. Great idea. <laughs> Incredible idea. Um, I, I don't know, of course, when he's going to be back fully healthy, and by the time we're at a point in the season where maybe if he is waiting to sign in a good situation, I think the Chiefs will be in a spot where, yeah, I would. I think that would only be a positive thing. Maybe not a necessary idea, but a good one nonetheless. Never letting Patrick Mahomes play a preseason snap again to avoid any injuries. I think that is more of a good idea than a bad idea. I, we talked about this a little bit on, on Monday's show, I think, where I understand that Andy Reid's going to trot everybody out there for at least a little bit, particularly by the second game and perhaps the third game as well, just who he is. What I will say is that Patrick Mahomes does not need to play in these preseason games. But the people around him might. And so the only reason I would say I don't hate having Patrick Mahomes play some preseason action is because I think it benefits the pass catchers. Okay, this is the last one. It already is a good idea, so you have to tell me which one is a better idea. Um, okay. Signing Chet Holmgren to play wide receiver or signing <laughs> Salvador Perez to play defensive tackle? Wow, both great <laughs> ideas. I would love to – I think that watching Chet would be the funniest. Just putting him in shoulder pads might be, might be enough for me to make that one my preferred one. Uh, I think with I think Salvi is the better idea, though. Um, I tell you what, I know this is going to sound insane. He's not big enough for that with his current build, and maybe even if he bulks up, which is crazy because he's big enough to do anything a baseball player's ever done. Um, but I, I think also, you know, he's going to play through about 14 injuries at, the t- at a time, and uh, he will still produce great in the locker room. So I'll, I'll take Sally, but both are great ideas. You're right. He is Josh Briscoe, co-host of The Zone on 810, Arrowhead Report on SI Now and Times R's on The Athletic. Josh, I appreciate the time as always, man. Always a good idea to be on with you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks, dude. Always happy to do it. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. Have a good one. Later. You too. See ya. That is Josh Briscoe joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. We are brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives 
of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas Collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear. Plus, they look really cool. And they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code Rock Chalk Sports Talk. That's Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word, and you'll get 15%, 15% off your first order. That's right. Code Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word, for 15% off with home field apparel on your first order. So we've got five more matchups of trivia for week three this week, two of them coming today. We are brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Jayhawk Trophy, and 23rd Street Brewery. And our first matchup today features a top 10 team, Andrew Filer, ranked ninth. He is 1-1 one one with 28 points, suffered his first loss. It was a close one and fallen a little bit in the poll, but still hanging on there in the top 10, taking on Keegan Russell, who had his debut last week, scored nine points in his opener. He uh, just fell a little bit short as well. So, Keegan, we'll start with you headed into week two. Uh, have you done anything differently to, to prepare? What are kind of your feelings headed into this second matchup? Definitely feel a little better. There's still a lot of information out there to go over. Um, I'm still feeling a little, uh, not, not as confident in some areas. I think the coaching is one that I've been looking at a lot and then just kind of some of the random position player stats in bowl games. So I'm hoping if anything, I can remember some of the pictures of the media guide and just find my way down. So we'll see. Yeah. I need to figure out who both for this and the basketball one, if anybody has like, uh, you know, just some sort of insane memory or, or photographic yeah. memory or something and. And that would certainly help. Yeah, it would. Maybe I'll give them a, a handicap, so maybe they wouldn't want to tell me that. Uh, so, Andrew, uh, you come off your first loss last week. It was a tight one. Uh, you almost came up with the victory in the very end. I think it was against Chris. And the week before, you had a tight victory. Uh, so you're, you're, you've been on both ends of things here, coming down to the wire and, and one time falling short, one time victorious. Um, what are kind of your feelings headed into week three? Um, I mean, I'm feeling okay. I Today, I didn't have as much time to think because I was running late. So I think I kind of get in my own head a little bit those days. But Chris had a perfect score last week, and I felt like I did really well. But, you know, got beat by a perfect score. So that's that's tough, but always room for improvement, I guess. You know, so we'll just see how the chips fall today. Do uh, I'll ask this to both of you, Keegan. Do you feel like there is a uh, time frame, an era of KU football that you would do best at with questions? Oh, definitely anything 2005 up till now, for sure. Andrew, what about you? I Very similar. I don't – the last few years might be a little bit tougher. I mean, the Michael Cummings question a couple weeks ago, like that's just a name that I know, but I wasn't going to answer that question correctly, right? So Orange Bowl era is going to be my strong point, but I think that's probably 90% of the people in this competition too. So, yep. Well, we'll see what we got today. Like I said, it's all random. We just have a list of questions, and we go through them in order, and wherever it happens is where it so happens. Okay, so um, I guess, Keegan, I'll give you the call on the coin toss here for uh, – just whatever reason. I don't know. Do you want heads or tails? I'm going to go heads again. All right. It is heads. So you win the toss. Would you like to go first or second? Uh, let's go second. Okay. Andrew, that means you're up first. We'll start in the first quarter of play. This is the easy round. These are worth three points. Andrew, for you, name this Jayhawk corner who was a first-round pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 2008 NFL Draft. Put that Orange Bowl team and keep to leave. There you go. Keep Tlaib feeling like Dion, And Andrew takes a 3-0 early lead. Chance to match it here on a chip shot field goal of your own. Keegan, 
Name this Jayhawk quarterback who wore the number five and played from 2006 to 2009. Man, this might be the hardest question yet. I'm going to go out on a limb and go Todd Reesing. That is correct. That is very correct. No Michael Cummings on that one. Todd Reesing, the correct answer. See, so that worked out. It hits you guys both in the uh, Orange Bowl years. All right, three to three, the score into the second quarter, into the medium round, and these are worth six points for you, Andrew. This Jayhawk defensive back played at KU from 2006 to 2009 and ranked second in school history in total tackles by a defensive back with 295 of them. Um, I'm going to say Daryl Stuckey. That is the correct answer. Daryl Stuckey was a uh, tackling machine, and the key thing there was played till 2009, so that would have eliminated Aqib Tlaib on that one. All right, six points for you there, 9-3 to three the score. Chance for six points to even at halftime for you, Keegan. This Jayhawk wide receiver played from 2004 to 2007 and notched over 100 catches and 1,500 career receiving yards, finishing his career wearing the number 86. You said receiver, right? Correct. Uh, oh, I'm gonna get, I don't want to get these two. They have the same name, same person. Uh, Marcus Henry. That is correct. Marcus Henry, the answer there. It wasn't Desmond Briscoe or Kerry Meyer leading the Orange Bowl team in receiving yards. It was one Marcus Henry. All right, nine to nine. The score. We're tied heading into the third quarter of action. Back to you, Andrew, in the hard round. This for seven points. Wearing number 59, this Jayhawk tied for a team-high eight and a half sacks in KU's 2005 bowl-bound season. What's his name? You say tied for the lead with sacks? Yeah, eight said? and a half sacks tied for the team lead. He wore number 59, and he was on the 2005 Bullbound Jayhawks, and you have about 10 seconds. Um, there, One name sticking out. I don't remember what his number was, but I'm going to say Charlton Keep. That is incorrect. The correct answer is Brandon Perkins. Hmm. Not sure if that one rings a bell at all. I remember the name, but yeah, I wasn't going to get there on that, so. All right, this one for you, Keegan. In KU's 13-3 win over Missouri in 2005, what Jayhawk led the way defensively with two sacks? Well, I, I want to kind of double dip here, but I feel like that could be a trick, so I'm going to go Nick Reed. Well, it was sort of a double dip, but it was the wrong double dip. It was the answer that Andrew guessed. It was Charlton Keith. So. <laughs> that would have been one of the three. Easy. Oh, yep. Yep. Funny how the questions go sometimes. All right, but no harm, no foul. It's tied 9-9, to headed into the fourth quarter. These are worth eight points and a chance to come away with a uh, last-minute victory, possibly. Andrew, for you. 
The last time Kansas scored 80 points or more in a game was in 1947 when they dropped 86 points on what opponent? Uh, we'll just we'll just go with a conference team here, so I'm going to say Missouri. Never bad to guess like Missouri or Kansas State just because you know they played them a lot. The correct answer, though, is South Dakota State. Wouldn't have gotten there. That's a hard one. Well, Keegan, you got a really hard one of your own, but you got a chance for the win right here on this question. The least amount of yards that Kansas has ever allowed in a game was also in 1947 when they gave up just 17 total yards to what opponent? Man, that is way before anything I can come up with. Let's let's do the double hit, double dip here and go South Dakota. <laughs> the correct answer is uh, another team who is not in today's like Division One FBS football. It would be Denver, Denver mm. Pioneers. I don't even know if they have a <laughs> a football team to be honest anymore. I don't think they do actually. Um, so we now go into overtime. This is the fun stuff right here. This is when we change up to the dramatic music. And uh, 9 to 9 the score. So, uh, Keegan, I gave you the first coin toss. Andrew, I'll give you the second coin toss. Do you want heads or tails? Um, tails. All right. It is tails. So, Andrew, you'll have the choice. And just to reiterate here, Andrew, because you, you have the option, you can either go first or second in overtime. And then whoever goes first will pick what category they want to answer. Whoever goes second will either have the chance to answer just an easy question to get the win, to match them, or to answer a more difficult question based on what happens at the first question. So, Andrew, do you want to go first or second in overtime? I'm going to let Keegan make the decision, and he can go first. All right, so, Keegan, you now have the option, as you're going to go first in overtime. Uh, Let me know if you have any questions on these rules. You can pick any of the four question categories you want. If you get it wrong, all Andrew has to do is answer an easy if you get it right, he can either match your question or try to best your question. Let's go for a six-pointer. All right, into the medium round. I think this has been the most popular strategy. We have had a couple variances. But, Keegan, this one for you. Who led the 2008 Jayhawks in rushing yards with 860 of them? Jake Sharp. That's right, Jake Sharp, the year after the Orange Bowl. Led the team in rushing yards. All right, so that puts you up 15-9 to in the first overtime. Andrew, now you have the tough choice. Do you go for the tie in the medium round? Do you go for the hard question uh, to get the, the try to get the victory? Or do you go the really hard round to try to not just get a victory but run circles around it? No, let's, let's, go, let's go for the win. Let's just go with the hard question, though. Okay. This one for you, Andrew. What KU freshman quarterback set the record for most total yards in a freshman season with 1,640 of them. That's, uh, it's, I get, you know, you think you, you got to think Todd Reese in here, but I don't think that he played enough his freshman year when they pulled the red shirt. So I'll, Ten seconds. I'll go farther back let's say mike norseth you were on the right track with a newer age guy 
If I told you it was a, uh, oh gosh, I don't even know if this would be Charlie Weiss or David Beatty quarterback. Would that clear mm-hmm. it up for you? No? I don't know. I don't know. The correct answer was Ryan Willis. Who would have thought, Willis. right? Yeah. It's just, yeah, I think, more tough. about, you know, newer age and you have more opportunities sure. for yards and everything. So uh, a tight win in the very end. Um, and Keegan, you come out with your first victory of the year, 15-9. to uh, what do you think about this tight matchup here today? Uh, I thought that was a pretty solid one overall. I think both of us get into that hard round, and you're just too soon shooting stuff right over our head. That that was way back to try and figure out. So that was that was a tough matchup, and uh, but much respect to Andrew for going for the win. I think that should be everyone's strategy if they get to a tie. Go for the win if if you can. Well, Andrew, uh, I mean, to that point. Uh, it's it's obviously easier and you know hindsight is twenty twenty to say oh of course I'd I'd take the the medium question so if you could do it again would you take the medium for the tie or would you go back to the hard uh, I don't know I I don't know I mean it, that's so tough I I feel like I probably would have gone for the win again you know um, Ryan Willis is a I mean, wasn't he great at Virginia Tech for a couple yeah. of years after he left KU so it's like man I don't know I. I probably would have gone for the win in the end. Yeah, it was a fun matchup, though. Can't can't be mad about it. Wish I would have scored a little bit more, but that's okay. So yeah, uh, among the the three questions you missed between the Perkins one, the South Dakota State, and the the Willis one, uh, which is the one that uh, you're going to be kind of kicking yourself the most over? I I'd, I'd probably say Brandon Perkins. That name pops in my. I mean, I remember him. I remember him playing there. Charlton Keith is just the the play. I always remember Charlton Keith for is almost picking off Vince Young at the start of that Texas game in 2005 and returning for a touchdown but he dropped the interception. So, but yeah, probably Brandon Perkins. Well, that is a tight one, but uh, I, I, you know, all, all these divisions are going to be so closely contested and, and you're obviously in a very loaded division. So even with your second loss, I think if you win your final matchup, you're going to have a chance with, with the right tiebreaker to still maybe make a bowl game. Who knows? Maybe even win the division. Keegan, obviously big for you to, to get your first win on the board. So good job guys. And uh, we'll see you for the final couple weeks here uh, over the next couple weeks here on RCST trivia. Okay. Best of luck. Yeah, you too, Keegan. Good game, man. See you guys soon. Wow, quite the uh, quite the matchup there. Keegan comes out victorious in overtime, fifteen to nine. Once again, RCST trivia is brought to you by Twenty Third Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, and Johnny's Tavern here. And Keegan improves to one and one with eighteen regulation points and twenty four if you count overtime. Andrew now one and two with thirty seven regulation points, so averaging about. 12 a contest, which actually is pretty good. Um, just falling a little short there. And it does make you wonder if, you know, that's where sometimes the order of the questions can get you. If Andrew would have got the second one that was asked to Keegan in the hard round as opposed to the first one, he might have just guessed Charlton Keith, and that might have ended up giving him the win. That's, you know, that that's how tight things are in this competition. Like, a lot of times it is just based on the order of the questions. A lot of these guys are really knowledgeable, and I, I think Andrew is as well, but it's just these questions are so hard. Like, you can go you know, one and four on a set of five questions or two and three and still know what you're talking about or still get close to an answer. I think that was the case here. So tough loss for Andrew. Like I said, I I think this very much could be one of the, I mean, I mean we'll see. We have Kyle Coffey coming up in the next matchup and that'll be the key right there because Kyle won his first matchup. He was on bye last week. He beat Chris who beat Andrew last week in a really close matchup. But I think all these contestants are really good and are really close together in their skills on trivia that, I could see this being one of those divisions where like three teams are two and two and it comes down to tiebreakers. So I don't think anybody is out of this division just yet, um, but that's a big win for Keegan and uh, Andrew will have another opportunity 
in the uh, final two weeks to try to make up that victory and, and find his way into a bowl game or, or in the playoff or whatnot. This is RCST Trivia. We have that next matchup coming up between fourth-ranked Kyle Coffey and Ryan Brown, who scored a pretty impressive win last week, his first of the season. We'll see if he can keep the momentum riding high. This is RCST Trivia brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Jayhawk Trophy, and 23rd Street Brewery here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Lane Gillespie, I'm Derek Johnson. More trivia next. 2nd final trivia matchup of the day. We are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Johnny's Tavern, and Jayhawk Trophy. And we've got a top five team in Kyle Coffey ranked fourth. He uh, is 1-0. He scored 16 points, 23 when you add in the overtime points of a tight win over Chris Yurchak, who's ranked fifth in the week one, but he had a bye last week. Is he rusty? Is he rested? We'll find out. Ryan Brown, meanwhile, had quite the performance last week, got his first win of the season. He's up to 26 points between the two of them and uh, was really impressive in that victory. And with a win here, I think very certainly would move his way into the top 10 himself. This has been one of the more jumbled up divisions. There's a lot of really good, really close competitors here in this Wednesday division. So Kyle, we'll start with you. Uh, answer the question there. Do you feel rested or do you feel rusty? You know, I think I'm a little bit rusty. Uh, you know, I had a pretty good win you know, week one against Chris, who has proven himself to be a formidable opponent. And uh, I feel like my momentum maybe got halted there a little bit, having the bye week uh, so early on, but ready to get back into it and uh, see what we can do. Well, Ryan, um, you had – a lot of momentum last week. You don't have to worry about being rusty there. So did you feel like there was a big improvement in your performance from week one to week two? And, and what kind of went into that? Um, you know, I just, I think I got lucky on some of the 50 fifties where I didn't in week one, week two, they seemed to work in my favor. So uh, who knows what's going to happen this time? Okay. Well, uh, this matchup will give Kyle an opportunity to move into, I mean, he already is in first, but move into first all by himself. Ryan, if you get the victory here, I believe this would move you into first place in the Wednesday division based on our earlier results and Chris being on bye week this week that uh, keeps him down at one win. So this is a battle for first right now in the Wednesday division. And uh, I, I guess Chris, um, or, or not Chris, I'm sorry, uh, Kyle, I will go ahead and give you the coin toss coming back off of bye. Do you want heads or tails? I will do tails. All right. It is tails. So would you like to go first or would you like to go second? I'll go second. All right. That means Ryan, you are up. So it'll be a little longer wait off the bye week for Kyle. We'll start in the easy round of questions. The first of our four quarters. And this first quarter is worth three points in the easy round. Ryan, on November 5th, 2005, Kansas ended a 36 game losing streak to what Big 12 North opponent with a 40-15 to 15 victory? Nebraska. Yep, that was a fun one. Obviously, a lot of people will uh, re remember that winning streak coming to an end there and tearing down the, the field goal post, bringing them into Potter Lake. Again, 36-game losing streak there. Um, okay, there's three points for you. Kyle, the first one to you. The most points that Kansas scored across the 2007 to 2008 season was 76 of them doing them on November 3rd, 2007 at home against what big 12 opponent? Nebraska. Yep. Double dip in Nebraska's here. It's fun to bring those up. Those are fun times against Nebraska. That's for sure. All right. Three to three easy's knocked out of the ballpark. 
Let's go to the medium round of questions. Second quarter, these are worth six. Back to you, Ryan. Name this interim head coach who nearly guided Kansas to an upset win over a top-five TCU team but fell short 34-30 in 2014. Clint Bowen. Yep, now the head coach over at Lawrence High School. Clint Bowen, the correct answer there. That gets you six points to put you to nine. All right, chance to tie it for you, Kyle. Name this interim offensive coordinator who nearly guided Kansas to an upset win over Texas but fell short 50-48 to in 2019. Brent Deerman. Yep, now uh, I believe at Florida Atlantic, went to Middle Tennessee, did well. Now he's at FAU, and uh, that makes it 9-9 nine to nine at the end of the first half of play. Okay, into the third quarter, these are worth seven points. First to you, Ryan. What Jayhawk set the record for most total yards in a game by a freshman in 2003? Let's go with Charles Gordon. The correct answer is Adam Barman. Adam Barman, who uh, I think that was right on the heels or or right on the toes, I guess it would be, of uh, Bill Whittemore. Okay, uh, chance for you, Kyle, to take the lead with a seven-pointer here in the third quarter. This KU quarterback mostly backed up Jordan Webb and threw for six career touchdowns at KU while wearing the number eight jersey in 2010 and 2011. What's his name? Uh, Quinn Meekum or Meacham. Yeah, I don't, I'll be honest. I don't know if the last name is Meekum or Meacham, but you clearly knew it there. So seven points for you there. That is the correct answer. And you take a 16 to nine lead headed in to the fourth quarter. Okay, so Ryan, you got to answer this question right to have a chance to win. If you do, though, it's worth eight points. You would take a lead and put all the pressure on Kyle. So Ryan for you. Who holds the KU career record for field goal percentage with a minimum of 24 attempts? Ten seconds. Let's go with Bruce Kallmeyer. Not bad. Uh, All-American and Bruce Kallmeyer. The correct answer is Gabriel Rui. was a more recent kicker. He had a more limited sample, but good field goal percentage there. All right, so, Kyle, the pressure is off. You have won this matchup. Congratulations. But a chance, like I said, this is a very tough division. You want as many points as you can to work out any possible tiebreakers. So, Kyle... For you, who holds the KU career record for PATs made and PATs attempted? He was around for some prolific offenses, so I'm going to say Scott Webb. That is right. Scott Webb is the correct answer. Those were both uh, media guide specialties right there. So, uh, Kyle, you put up a perfect 24 points. 
here in this one to come away with the victory. Would you have known the Gabriel Rui or the uh, Adam Barman questions that uh, Ryan had? I did not know Barman. I had a pretty good feeling on Rui because I actually just looked, I think it was yesterday, and saw that one year he went like 18 of 20, uh, you know, field goals or something like that. So I knew he was a very high percentage. And so that was going to be my guess for that question. I didn't, I probably would have came around to Barman, but first guess was not Barman. So Ryan, did you have any unfortunate flips there where you would have might maybe known the, the Quinn Meacham one or the uh, Scott Webb one at the end there? Um, yeah, I, I, I knew the Scott Webb one. I think somebody had a similar question against uh, me for like the single season scoring on the first week and it was Webb. So Quinn Meacham, I don't know. I was at that Iowa state game up there where we, he started and had trouble with the wind. Um, so uh, I don't know if I would have ever gotten to that. Well, uh, in the end, Kyle with a big victory here, but I don't know. Does that make you feel better at all, Ryan, that, that he was perfect on questions? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there was no hesitation. So, um, you know, I was running into a buzzsaw. Well, Kyle, you were already ranked fourth. Um, I believe the number three team won. The number two team, I could be wrong on this, but I believe number two had a bye week this week. Number one had a uh, victory in Ryan yesterday. So make your case. Do you, do you think you're ranked properly? Should you move up in the poll? What are kind of your thoughts on that? I mean, I definitely think uh, a top three ranking is justified, probably based off of scoring the second most amount of points that you could score cumulative. So uh, through the, you know, through two matchups, I guess for me, I guess there's been three, you know, for everybody else. So, but average points, I guess, uh, wise, I'm up there with most points scored. And, you know, I've gone against two pretty good opponents. Chris was a really good one. And Ryan, just bare, like I said, I mean, with the uh, Barman question, that was a tough one. And then the, uh, you know, the extra, the field goal attempts, that's a really tough question with kickers. And so Ryan's a very formidable, formidable opponent too. Uh, you know, I think I went up against the top five team and a top probably 12 or 10 team with Ryan here too. So I uh, definitely think I should be up there a little bit. And, uh, you know, it turns out I wasn't as rusty as what I thought. It was pretty well rested. So uh, ready for the next week and uh, see if if I can prove myself again. Well, guys, good work. And uh, yeah, we'll see you for the final couple weeks over these next few weeks here for trivia. All right. Thanks guys. Thank you. Kyle, man, powerhouse right now in uh, RCST trivia. He uh, has looked really good so far early in this one. And uh, he's been kind of a mainstay in the basketball event. Um, was upended in the, uh, first round of basketball this year and he is getting more than his revenge here on the football side of things that would be interesting because who he lost to in the first round of basketball is Ben Wilson who uh had a perfect 24 points last week he's in the Thursday group I'm just saying both of them end up winning their divisions I mean storylines right if we get them to match up ooh, that'd be pretty spicy there but uh Kyle looking really good so far Ryan um it's his second. This is what I'm saying with this Wednesday group. Like Ryan and Andrew are both one and two, but clearly both of them know their stuff. And sometimes it's just the questions don't go your way. Sometimes you're just playing a, a really good opponent. Um, sometimes it's a little bit of both. And 
this this division's a dogfight, man. But for Kyle, that is a huge second win. Uh, that basically means that because Kyle already beat Chris, I believe if Kyle wins one more game, if he wins next week, I believe Kyle would lock up the division because at that point he would have three victories. Um, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he'll be playing Keegan or, or Andrew, so that could depend on it. But he would certainly be in a, a good shape if he did that. Outside of that, even if he does clinch the division, though, like I said, I think this is a division where 2-2 two and two at least gets you a bowl game if you have the right 2-2. Two and two. So we'll have two more matchups tomorrow coming up at the Thursday group. We've got one more coming up on Friday as well, dating back to the Monday group. Had a little bit of a, a scheduling thing that we had to move it to Friday, but this is RCST Trivia. We are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Johnny's Tavern, and Jayhawk Trophy. I'm Derek Johnson with Lane Gillespie. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we've got some audio to share for you. Chris Simpson, the KU linebackers coach, spoke with the media earlier today. We'll share that for you on the other side. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Did you know that on our website, klwn.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com we have a program called hometown deals so you click the tab and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50 percent off we have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50 percent off gift card too so just go to the website click hometown deals and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50 percent off if you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost Shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. We are back for another draft, and uh, I think, I don't know, uh, I'll ask Scott. I don't know if this is going to be the last one, um, but like we said, we're going to save This is the these. finale. Okay, This cool. is the finale, Derek, the finale of drafts until next summer. No one is allowed to draft until no. we draft again. No, we, the draft police are going to be in full enforcement, um, and, you know, they you might do a draft and get away with it. You might do a draft, and the draft police are going to show up at your door, so don't. Don't let that happen. Um, so, yeah, this is the final one, and we are headed into KU football season. So, we are going to do a draft of a basketball draft of KU football players as we're joined by Scott Chasen once again as a new podcast, which you'll be able to check out throughout the KU football season booth review on the Kansas City Sports Network. So, uh, always cool to see Scott still doing stuff around uh, the team and everything, and, and we enjoy having Scott on the show, um, but that's another area that you'll be able to listen to him and everything. So, uh, as far as this one, we are going to go back to one of the things that we did in the early drafts, which was draft a sixth man instead of a coach, because, I don't know, it's a little weirder drafting, like, you know, college athletes to be the coach when they're, I, I don't know, there's just not as much creativity. So, we're going to do that. Um, do you have any anything? Thing that you would like to propose or, or discuss before we get into the draft? No, I, I actually love the draft board for this. I think, you know, I didn't do any research in terms of this guy was an all-state mm -hmm. basketball player at Swine Z. I am solely basing this draft off their ability as a football player, and I'm going to translate that to the basketball court. And I'll tell you what, Derek, this is the first draft that I, well, I guess there have been a few, but I legitimately do not care if I go first or second. Okay. Um, because I, I think I have a really, really exciting board. I agree. There are a lot of exciting players here, and and I'll be like, I didn't do the research either. I didn't want to go through every player and be like, oh, this guy, like you said, was all state basketball. He averaged eighteen a game, and this guy only averaged fourteen a game. Um, but there are three players, and they're all in state players that I just from two of them from like literally broadcasting games that they've been in. One of them from just seeing highlights of him playing basketball in high school that I know 
about some of their basketball prowess, but also I, I don't know. One of the, uh, we'll get into it if if those players get drafted. But outside of those, I'm not really going to take it into account. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the way to go, Derek. What I, I am curious, um, are are you gonna like? Sometimes when we do these drafts, I feel like you draft more to mess me up than you do to make your team good. <laughs> Is that your plan today for this one? I, no, I don't have a plan to do that. I mean, it could just theoretically happen. I, I think it's a little harder to do on this one, though, right? Because, like, there are so many players you could take to be a guard. There are so many. This isn't just a situation where, hey, there's one six foot five guy on the team and that's it. Everybody else is six two or less. Like, there are multiple options who are six five, six six, six seven that you can get multiple center positions. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it'd be kind of hard to, I don't know, but cause chaos in this draft. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And, I, you know, generally, at least how I did it, you know, I'm looking at size and athleticism. So um, I guess we'll probably both be similar in that aspect. Okay. So I have a quarter, and uh, mm-hmm. I'll give you the option. Do you want heads or tails? Uh, tails. Okay. And I'm not flipping it over once again. It is tails. By the way, you jinxed tails on RCST Trivia last week. So. I, I've been listening, but Tails made a comeback. I think it's been two last three or something like that. And by the way, I'm sad that you keep saying I'm not flipping it over because I was going to wait for the first time I lose a coin toss and then say, well, you have to flip it over, Dick. <laughs> okay. Well, you won the coin toss, so that gives you the option if you want to go first or second. Um, I think I will go first. Okay. So, um, a lot of good options on the draft board here. Who would you like with the first overall pick? My first overall pick is a no-doubter. This is the only player on my board that I 100% guaranteed wanted. I think there are a lot of other options at every other position. I want Jalen Daniels as my point guard, and that is my 1-1. Okay, so I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think I had Jalen on my draft board. Okay. That's good to know. I think he's a good athlete, obviously. He's smart. He's charismatic. He can lead a team. You get a leadership boost. He can uplift everyone else. Um, I think he's a good passer, which I think works at the point guard position. And, yeah, you combine it with his physical tools, everything. I I really think he's got to be the captain of my team. So uh, he was my 1-1 on my board. And, honestly, um, I feel like I can build around him. Yeah, that's fair. I I just liked some other options, which my first one is going to be the guy who is my number one on my draft board, and that would be Kai Thomas. Uh, So I'll have Kai Thomas as a guard. I haven't decided one or two. He is one of those players Mm -hmm. that I actually saw play basketball in high school. He was at uh, Topeka High. I I saw him play when he was, I believe it was a junior, and he went to the state tournament, and I saw them play against Free State, and he was really freaking good. I mean, everything you would imagine a Division One power five athlete running back in terms of explosiveness, cutting ability to get in the open court on the basketball court, had a little bit of a shot to him as well. He was averaging like 20 points per game for Topeka, which I mean, in high school, it's a 32 minute clock. So that's really impressive stuff. He was really good. And and let's just talk about the football player, you know, again, like ultra athlete. He's obviously a strong built running back. So he's going to have strength driving in to the teeth of the defense. Kai Thomas is my number one pick. Yeah, he was on my draft board, too. He was high on my draft board. And honestly, I kind of thought I could get him um, with the uh, you know the swing coming around. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good pick by you. Okay, second pick. This is because to me, I had Kai Thomas kind of in a tier by himself. I This is where it gets difficult. I'm going to go with Craig Young. 
Craig Young mm. is this just uber athlete. Uh, had a chance to talk to him earlier today at KU Media Availability, and he was saying, I haven't ran a 40-yard dash, like a timed one, since my freshman year of college when I was at Ohio State. But when I did that as a freshman, so it's been three years since then, he said he ran a 4-4-6. Um, and this is a guy who is six foot three, two 225 pounds. I would just assume you get faster and stronger as you go through your college career. So who knows? Maybe he's gained more weight, and that would make the speed go down. But nonetheless... Yeah. You're talking about a, a guy who is one of the faster players on the team, and he has that size. I'm going to put him on the wing. I might eventually slide him down to the four, depending on how the rest of this draft goes. But you got size there at six foot three. You have speed. You have a, have athleticism. He's kind of a ball hawk on defense. I think Craig Young would be a defensive stopper on my end of the floor as kind of a, a three four OG Ananobi kind of player. Yeah, I'm sad, Derek. That was number two on my big board. Um, I also liked that you clarified you were going to start by drafting number one on your big board. Um, mm-hmm. That's a very revolutionary draft strategy, <laughs> so good for you. Um, good for you on that one. I'm, I'm bummed, though. I wanted Craig Young, um, and I wanted Craig Young for my front court, which I was going to draft here. So I was going to draft Craig Young and pair him uh, with Earl Bostic, but instead I'll start with Earl Bostic. Mm-hmm. I'm putting him at the five. Uh, this is a big dude who used to play tight end. He's actually caught a touchdown pass. So you know he's mobile, he's got size, he's developed his skill. It feels like he's been in college forever. Um, So he's got that fully developed uh, developed body from a strength and conditioning program. Again, no clue about his basketball skills, but uh, Mm. hey, look, Tony Gonzalez played basketball. I'm pretty sure Antonio Gates played basketball. That's just like a thing, right? (laughs) So uh, I'll take the uh, former tight end um, as my basketball center. Okay, I like that pick. Uh, Like you said, anybody who is... Uh, I circled like all the tight ends as possible big men because those exact comparisons you brought up, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates. Uh, now like you have players like what Mark Vitals trying to make it in the NFL and uh, yeah. Rico Gathers. Basically, if you're just a, a Baylor big man who didn't make it to the NBA, just trying to make it in the NFL, but getting shots in the NFL and everything. So I, I like that. It's a good pick. Yep. Okay, next I'm going to take my four-man, which is my backup for Craig Young. Disappointed, but not not that disappointed because I think he's uh, tough. I think he's a little bit thicker and stronger, and I think um, he gives me, you know, a pretty imposing front court. I want Lonnie Phelps at the four. Um, is that a good hmm or a bad hmm? I'm curious. I like it. No, I like it. I uh, We got to speak with him media-wise, I think it was yesterday for the first time, and that I think was the first time for me that I had seen him in person, and mm-hmm. I mean, of course, they're football players. They're Division One athletes. Like you expect them to be in good shape and be big people. Yeah. But like he was someone who you could really tell was in really good shape. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you can just yeah. tell, like above the rest. Like, oh, he is very chiseled. He looks like a great athlete. He seemed like a very smart, intuitive player. I like that pick. Yeah, and you know what's funny, Derek? I, I think it's fascinating. You know, we do these independently. We we didn't collaborate at all about players and our pool. And I just think it's funny. Like, it seems like you like the picks I've taken, and I love the picks that you've <laughs> taken. It seems like we ended up somehow in a roster of 100 people. Like, we picked the same 12 that we want on our teams. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of amusing. I'm amused that it worked out that way. Okay. Well, I have no idea if you are going to like this pick or not. This isn't someone who's been a mainstay for the football team. And I, I do think that... To be clear, I mean, this wasn't a rule we imposed. Like, you can take whoever you want, but obviously it's going to be helpful, whether it's it's the vote or just, you know, knowing more about the player. If the player has played more and you have more tape on them or, or they're seen as being a star, you, you want to draft them. So that's not as much the case for this guy, but he was dealing with some injury stuff last year. Uh, he did come in as a, a pretty high-level recruit for the recruiting class. Will Huggins is going to be my next pick. Mm. Will Huggins is six foot seven. 
He is also 255 pounds. So Bostic is is still going to be able to, you know, kind of back him down and stuff in the post. Like he'll have the big weight advantage. But Huggins is maybe an inch or two taller than Earl Bostic. And Will Huggins is also that tight end that we kind of talked about, right? Have somebody that can go up and make contested catches, get big rebounds for you. This was my kind of sleeper pick of the draft, and I'm glad that he fell to me here. Yeah, you know what? If I hadn't taken Lonnie Phelps, the other name I had at that position was Will Huggins. So again, okay. another guy that was on my draft board. And look, he had the most impressive highlight tape, you know, from a camp coming out where he just absolutely lost some poor cornerback in the dust. Um, I think for him, the thing is health for one, because he had an injury his senior year of high school. He's had some injuries at KU. And then obviously I think the blocking side of things, getting that part of being a tight end down is important as well, but he's got raw talent and he's got raw pass catching talent and that should translate great to basketball. That's a good pick. All right. I'm between two guys who can play kind of the guard position for me. And this is tough. I've got a lot of forwards left, and to be clear, whoever I'm taking here as my guard is not going to be at the top of my draft board right now. It's just that I feel like maybe there's some more options with those size players. Um, let's go with Kenny Logan Jr. I, I don't – I, I think there's a video of him, like, maybe talking smack to Christian Brown and that he would uh, – he would, uh, like, beat him in basketball, obviously, like, kind of joking around. Although, he's a very confident dude, so maybe in his mind, not joking around. But, um, I don't know, I'll, I'll put him as, like, a he, – he's a guy who talks trash. He's obviously a really good defender. Uh, he was really good in coverage for KU football. So, I would imagine all those skills of, you know, moving your hips and cutting with the offensive player, like, those are going to lead to being a good defensive player on the basketball court as well talks trash a lot like I said I'm envisioning kind of like a Patrick Beverly here yeah no that's a, a really good pick I had him on my board but this is going to sound weird um, and I'm a huge Kenny Logan fan uh, I did not want to take him even though he was on my board because I felt like I could get enough comparable value to get guys who maybe fit the system that I'm attempting to run better and you'll see what I mean by that when you see triangle my and, couple picks what, what are you doing the triangle <laughs> offense with Phil Jackson yeah, something okay Something like that. I don't think he's a football player, so he can't be my coach. But, um, no, I, I think that's a good pick, though. And, and Kenny Logan's just a versatile athlete, right? Mm-hmm. He plays defense. He plays. He's a specialist. He wants to play offense, you know. And you mentioned the confidence. I mean, he's got such a fun personality that's really blossomed uh, since coming to KU. So, no, I, I think that's a good pick, too, definitely on my board. Um, is it – I get two now, correct? Is yes, correct. So, you have your, your point – obviously, you can mix around the positions still, but point guard Jalen Daniels. Your forwards, Lonnie Phelps, and your centers are Obostic. Yep. So I'm going to take my two guard here. I'm taking Jason Bean. Um, I mm. wanted Jason Bean and Jalen Daniels together, and I, Jason Bean's a little bit taller, right? I think he's in like the 6'3", 6'4". Yeah, he's like 6'3". That, got, to be clear, I was between Kenny Logan and Jason Bean. Well, well, I'm really glad you took Kenny Logan because I, the idea of pairing Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean together was kind of tantalizing to me. Um, he's obviously got a, a pretty nice arm. He's got the good physical tools, and he's just exciting. You know, I envision a, a kind of a, a Leandro Barbosa type of role, um, the Brazilian blur who was obviously known for getting up and down the court um, so quickly. And then I'm going to kind of keep that athletic versatility together and take Lawrence Arnold um, as my three-man. I mean, Lawrence Arnold was both a, a a really good high jumper and a really good long jumper. He's obviously big. He's got that big reach. He can be a lob target. And and that allows my kind of one through three to be super mobile, athletic, quick. Um, and then, you know, you combine that with some bruisers at the four and the five. I really like how my team shaped up. The only thing I regret is that I did not get Craig Young because I really wanted him on my squad. 
Arnold was a good one. I, I might have gone with him in my next pick because I would have really liked those versatile forwards with, with Craig Young and, and Lawrence Arnold there. I can't tell if Jason Bean would be the guy that – because, I, I mean, if you've played pickup basketball, like there's always that one person, if it's like a full-court game, who is like the most athletic guy on the court who it just like runs around everyone, it's constantly running. It, it's horrible if you're playing against him and you're the one defending him because he's just constantly running, the best shape uh, of anyone on the floor. He, he's got like a 40-inch vertical, and then he's the, he has like no touch. Like he's missing like wide-open layups after he breaks past everyone in transition and stuff. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's my hope for what Jason B would do because the athleticism is, is there. There's that guy on the football field, too. I'm not saying that's him, but there are definitely those players in football as well. You're like, they are so athletic. Why aren't they clicking? And then you see it's like, oh, yeah, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have two picks. I need a either forward or wing because then I could slide around Craig Young, and then I need my six. Oh, who's your point guard? Uh, I've decided I'll have Kai Thomas at the point. Kenny Logan will be the two. But they'll be kind of interchangeable. Okay. Okay, so... A lot of height options available. All right, I'm going to take. That's interesting that you're drafting big. If I see, if I were kind of managing your team, I would be putting Craig Young at the four. But I'm interested to know what you're going to do. All right, so I am going to draft the hometown hero that is going to win me this vote, Jared Casey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jared Casey, I think, would be an undersized power forward. He's like six foot, maybe. Uh, there have been undersized power forwards who have worked in the college game. Like, I always think of, like, Dewan Blair or, um, oh, gosh, who was that, like, Bonzi Colson? He was, like, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, for Notre Dame. Just bowling ball undersized power forward who just gets into your body. He's just tough. I, I think that's what Jared Casey could be, has good touch inside. And this is the other guy. So, I, I said that there are a couple players that I, I've at least seen something from their high school basketball days. Kai Thomas was one. Another one was Devin Neal. And the other one was Jared Casey. Casey, I never saw live, but I've seen like highlights from him uh, from when he was at, I think it was Plainville, right? Um, high school. And he's like hitting like three pointers, like buzzer beater threes, stuff like that. So I think he's a stretch four. I think he's going to be feisty inside. Uh, yes, Lonnie Phelps has, I don't know, I think like three inches on him, but I, I think he's going to make up for it in just pure relentlessness. And I, I feel like I can switch a little bit with one through four or at least three and four with Craig Young and Jared Casey there. So I like Jared Casey, and above all, like he's going to help me with the vote. Yeah, I, I think he is a great uh, vote-getting pick, and I'm not. that's not a complaint. I have made many of those picks before. Um, and, and, yeah, if he has the basketball skill for sure, I, I think something about your team fit is a little weird to me. i got to figure out what that is. <laughs> my power forward is like my shortest guy. Um Okay, uh, my sixth man, I am going to take a guy that I know both me and you are high on. That would be O.J. Burroughs. Ooh, interesting pick. Well, so I, I thought about taking some more size, but I don't know. I feel like the classic sixth man is like a, a guy who, a, a quick guard off the bench. You mentioned Leandro Barbosa. O.J. Burroughs, little undersized, but got good athleticism, quickness, and everything. Just ball-hawking player. Like, he can come in if I need an extra uh, defender to come in late in the game or something like that. I feel like he'll force some turnovers, get an interception on a pass, lead to an easy two the other way. I, I love the cerebral mind of O.J. Burroughs when he's on the football field. So, uh, that'll be my sixth man. 
Yeah, the, the guy who once had like four interceptions in a game for IMG set the record for them. Mm. And, and obviously that's such a storied program. So I'm between three guys, which I can tell you now for my last mm. pick because you can't pick again. And they are Tory Lachlan, Jacoby Bryant, and Luke Grimm. Um, I really like Luke Grimm because I think he is so skilled, um, you know, in terms of route running and his movement, but also I, I think he's a fun personality. I think he's in that Kenny Logan category of, um, you know, that, that whole thing now. Is he a dog or whatever? Does he have that dog in it? Like, I think he does. I think he is, uh, he'll go at you. I don't think he's afraid of anyone. So I like that. Um, Jacoby Bryant, same thing, ball hawking guy, but. Um, based off what you did, I think that would almost be like kind of doing like for like, and I'd like to be a little bit different. Um, I don't want to just kind of mirror what you're doing. Um, Tory Lachlan, I think, is one of the best athletes in the program, period. I mean, this is a guy who had like 2,500 passing yards, 2,500 rushing yards or whatever in high school, um, had a billion touchdowns, some of the most athletic plays you've ever seen. So it's really between Tory Lachlan and Luke Grimm for me. Um, let's see. I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Luke Grimm because I think there's a better chance he retweets this poll and it gets me the win. So uh, I'm going to go with Luke Grimm. It's my sixth man. I love it. The gamesmanship there. Okay, so uh, honorable mentions <laughs> for me. You mentioned Jacoby Bryant. He was on my honorable mention. I also had um, Daniel Highshaw. I just envision him as being like a load of a guard that can constantly get into the lane. And then I had some height options. Quentin Skinner. At six foot five, would have been interesting as like a four man. He's only 190 pounds, but he's one of the fastest players on the team, and he's six foot five. That could be deadly in transition. Trevor Cardell, another tight end, six five, two fifty two. Uh, Tavita Noah, another big tight end. Tanaka Scott is interesting, kind of in the same light as Quentin Skinner, tall receiver, mm-hmm. good straight line speed. And then uh, one of the newcomers, Dean Miller, six foot five, two hundred pounds from College of the Canyons in uh, Southern California, my neck of the woods, and you know, if you're from Southern California, you, you have more opportunities to get outside and play basketball. Yeah, if you're from Southern California, why aren't you cooler? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, you're plenty cool. No, um, my honorable mentions included Malcolm Lee, Jeremy Robinson. Um, I did think about Trevor Cardell. I did not have a huge list, though. My list was every single player that got drafted and then those few names because I was pretty confident. Well, obviously, it's a draft of six people mm-hmm. each, so I knew we were going to get a, a good group of guys. So I didn't go too far deep, but honestly, Derek, I think both of our teams are overflowing with talent. I think it's uh, talent allocation, mm-hmm. so I guess general management that might get me the win on this one, but uh, Jared Casey's going to be hard to beat, and O.J. Burroughs is kind of like a cult following on Twitter, too. So, mm-hmm. um, And I'm part of that, by the way, but uh, that may help you out as well. I don't know. I, I like Mike Kai Thomas, Jared Casey. I'm putting you in pick and pops all day long with Lonnie Phelps and Jalen Daniels. Good luck on that. Mm-hmm. Well, and hey, if I can, just to break away from the draft for one second, mm-hmm. I do want to give a shout out to anyone listening, as they probably know. RCST, I know I brought this up last week, mm-hmm. the, the trivia thing with football. It has been so much fun to listen to. And I think that tape pointed this out. But like the point system and the uniqueness of it. I think it's so exciting. And if I say this on the air, Derek has to do it. Um, I have petitioned to be a one-man Heisman committee. So I would (laughs) like to be the Heisman committee for RCST football trivia. So um, I am hoping to be that committee. Well, I actually have Lane on the job today. He uh, went back and and looked at, um, you know, who who has answered the most really hard questions, if that's going to be part of your your decided factors. So I, I will allow you to do that and I will supply you with that information off air. And uh, maybe we'll come up with some prize for whoever that ends up being. Maybe we'll get, I don't know, like a David Jane's Jersey or something since he was uh, 
fourth in the Heisman, I want to say, in 1973? Yeah, or we could do a Justin Fields jersey, uh, Justin Fields jersey, because one of the two of us gave him a first-place Heisman both the year Joe Burrow won it. <laughs> I think if we gave someone a Justin Fields jersey, they would be, especially if we gave him, like, a Bears jersey, just to make it even one step further. They'd be Well, I guess, I don't know, half the population of KU is from Chicago, so maybe that works out. That is a very good point. That is a very good point. Well, Scott, I appreciate it. As always, you can hear him on Booth Review on the Kansas City Sports Network as uh, they chronicle and, and go over everything with the KU football season. Scott, I appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, happy drafting season. Thanks for having me. And again, everyone listening, no drafting, no fantasy drafting, no drafting, no draft beer, nothing mm. until next summer. I didn't realize those parts were not going to be out of it. I, I think I, I'm out. I'm out on this little pact. Okay, we can renege on that part. Okay, Scott, thanks again, man. Thanks. That was Scott Chasen. Once again, you can check out more with him at Booth Review in KC Sports Network. I'm Derek Johnson with Lane Gillespie. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk. You can go vote on who you thought won the basketball draft of KU football players at RCST 1320. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.